Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Yes and amen. <laughs> the snow gotcha, huh? Can we thank the worship team? That was awesome. They navigated those roads real early this morning. The roads are good. It's just those neighborhoods, huh? Was like, you made it out of your neighborhood. That's the miracle today. The roads are good. It's the neighborhoods that'll get you. But how beautiful is the snow? All you newbies to Idaho, you thought you get snow in like December around Christmas time. Joke's on you. We get it in February, March. One year at camp, it was, we had camp in June up in McCall. We got snow in June. I remember growing up one fourth of July, we had snow and we were down at municipal, or was it municipal park, dad? Is that what we used? Municipal park or Julia Davis? Okay. I don't know the difference. Downtown, you know, one of those parks and it snowed and we had to take the, we had to take the, picnic inside. So welcome to Idaho. If this is your first winter, we get snow late. We want it on Christmas. We rarely get it. We get it Valentine's Day. Oh my gosh, happy Valentine's Day. I just remembered. Oh, what a blessing. Okay. Well, it's the, it's a covered white for those of you whose hearts are broken. The Lord brought you snow. Just kidding. And for all, all of you that have wonderful Valentine's this year. Hey, I'm Tracy Wild Pace, and I'm our lead pastor, Pastor Chris's youngest sister, but we're really excited because our other sister is here today. Pastor Rochelle Francie is sitting right up here in the front row. Rochelle, would you stand and just wave to the church? This is, um, you know, Pastor Mark and Rochelle Francie, youth pastors and pastors here at Capitol for years and years, and now they're doing an incredible job in South Orange County at their church, Oceans Church. So if you find yourself um, going to the other God's country outside of Boise, Orange County is pretty awesome. So if you make it there for vacation or something, make sure you go see um, our family. It's our, it's our sister church or our daughter church or it's our family. Um, but we're so honored to have Rochelle here today. Uh, but I'm excited to preach today. Last time I preached, I just found out I was pregnant. I preached three times that day and then I didn't show up to church for six weeks. <laughs> But it wasn't because they told me I didn't get a preaching more and it was really bad. It could have been, I don't know, but it was because I got really sick. So um, I think people were worried there for a minute. They're like, well, she was up there. Now we don't see her anymore. It's because I was sick with child. Um, but we're doing better. Uh, and he's kicking. We had our ultrasound this week and Garrison got to go. It's the first appointment. And he's got long legs like his dad. So I'm bracing myself for pain kicking all the time, but uh, it's awesome. And it's just such an honor to be a part of this community, really, and just celebrating even the big moments of our life together um, and also the tragedies of life together. We walk through it. The Bible says we weep together, we rejoice together. And I don't think there's a better place to do that than within community. And so um, we're, we're, we're going to get through this 2021 and we're going to smile. We're going to have joy um, and we're going to do it together. Amen? 
We've been having an incredible sermon series, I think. Have you been enjoying um, the last several weeks of messages that have been coming? I loved Michael Borner last week. How incredible was that? If you were here last week... He is, incre- he is the king of illustrations. I was sitting next to Pastor Chris and we were just looking at each other like he is a genius. Like he is able to meet every learning style, right? Everybody who has a different learning style was like hit last week. So all week, because I knew I was preaching, I tried so hard, you guys, to think of really cool analogies for you or like maybe just like a picture, you know, come up with something. And I got to last night, I had nothing, so I'm just going to have to wow you with my wonderful personality, which is a joke, okay? That was a joke. Um, But I'll just try to be loud, like I am, and hopefully um, you'll be engaged and captivated as much as you were with Michael Borner. We're just so blessed by the Borner family. Michael and Natalie, elders in this church, their four beautiful daughters were raised in this church, and... It's just really cool to see the faithfulness and steadfastness of that family. And that's really what God has called us to do. Um, Really, isn't it awesome? Like, I love looking over here and seeing the Martinez kids getting baptized today, growing up with them, and now seeing their children baptized. Like, that's just such a beautiful reflection of God's church and what he wants to do. So today, we're going to carry on with our series. I won't be Michael Borner, but I'll try to like jokes. I like jokes. So I'll try to sprinkle some in there. Um, but we've been on this series and we've been talking about just a lot of the spiritual disciplines and what it takes to be a a flourishing Jesus follower. Um, I think we all love Jesus. That's why we find ourselves in this auditorium today, or maybe you've never heard the name of Jesus and today's your opportunity to get to know the one who loves you more than anyone on this Valentine's day. But what's so awesome about following Jesus is that there's tools to help us be better at it. (laughs) Who would say they could use some tools to be a better Christian? I am. I'm raising my hand. I've been engaged in listening at all the messages over the course of the last several weeks. And Pastor Chris, our lead pastor, gave me this week's topic, which is study, meditation, and the spirit. And I love that title because I don't think you can have study and meditation without the spirit. And we are unapologetically spirit-filled here at Capital Church. We believe in the spirit. And I think the spirit makes the word come alive. And I think as you study the word and as you meditate on God's promises and his word, but you allow the Holy Spirit to just illuminate your eyes. Have you ever read something a hundred times and it did nothing for you? And the hundredth time it goes, that's the spirit, right? The Bible says, that the word of God is living and active. So it has the power to do that, but why doesn't it do that every time? <laughs> like, does anyone else get discouraged in their like Bible reading plan? Like, it's just like, you know, you know when you're going through some chapters in the Old Testament, it's gonna be a rough day, you know? Like you wake up and you're like, this one's gonna be, but it still can be God-breathed and it can still have the spirit of God breathe on it and illuminate in your spirit. But we have to be in a posture to allow the Holy Spirit to be able to open our ears, open our hearts, open our spirits so that we can see the word of God in a new and and beautiful way. Here's the problem though I've seen as a pastor and just as a Jesus follower myself is what keeps me from really seeing God's word for what it is, is my busyness. Anyone else feel busy? Have you seen this? It's my favorite, like, I don't know what you call it. It's not I think memes, are memes just like graphics or are they ones that move? I don't know. 
I don't even, I'm not relative, I'm not like my young people, the young adults have to tell me, but, um, but you know that it's been on Instagram and stuff. It's that one that says adulthood is basically saying to someone next week is going to slow down over and over and over again until you die. That's what being an adult feels like, right? You're like, you know, someone will be like, hey, can we get together? I'm like, oh, this week is crazy. It's so big. But next week, next week is supposed to be slower. You get to next week and you're like, this week is not slower. So then you have to tell that person, I'm so sorry, this week just it ran away with me, you know? <laughs> it's crazy. Maybe next week. I swear I've been saying that every single week of my life. That's what it feels like in this world is we're so busy all the time that I don't even think we know how to not be busy. And it's kind of a badge of honor, isn't it? Isn't it kind of like people come up to you, how are you doing? You know, and our first thing is great. I'm so busy. Like, it's just, we, it's just become a part of our vernacular and our language. And we're so used to being busy. We don't know how to rest. We don't know how to slow down. Eugene Peterson says this, he says, busyness is the illness of the spirit. Busyness is the illness of the spirit. And I believe that we are sick. American Christians are sick with this sickness of, of busyness. We're so busy that we don't always have time to hear God. It breaks my heart as a pastor when young people come to me and they're like, I can't hear God. I don't know what God's saying. It's just, he's not speaking to me. I'm like, no, yes, he is speaking. You're just not in a position and a posture to hear. So let's help you. Let's help you remove distractions and let's get you in a space that you'd be able to listen to God's voice so that you can have direction, that you can have purpose, that you can have a joy for the future. But you have to put yourself as a Christian, there's work to do. We don't live by works, but, but Paul's pretty clear that you still have to work out your salvation. So we still have things we got to do to be able to hear God's voice clearly. Eugene Peterson in another book says, Busyness is the enemy of spirituality. It is essentially laziness. It is doing the easy thing instead of the hard thing. It is filling our time with our own actions instead of paying attention to God's actions. It is taking charge. Who would say, and we don't mean it to be like this. We don't mean to be busy to take charge because you wouldn't be at church this morning if you didn't want God to do something in your life, right? You, you wouldn't be here today if you weren't, asking God to, to lead you and guide you. The problem is what happens Monday through Saturday is that we've become so busy that what we're telling God is I'm in charge. I, 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 and really what Eugene, when I first read this book that Eugene Peterson writes to Sydney, he says laziness is essentially late or busyness is essentially laziness. I was like kind of stung. Like that was hurtful. Like I'm not, I'm not meaning to be lazy. Like I go to church, I read my Bible, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. But truly what happens is busyness becomes so part of us, it's easier to do than it is to slow down. Think about it. It's easier to just be like, I'm busy to fill my schedule with as many things I can do this week so I don't have to deal with what's really going on in my heart and my soul. Have you ever just like found yourself creating things to do just so you don't have to deal with, come on, young people hate loneliness. Like 2020 about killed our young adults in our, our community. Like when we finally got back to church, I was like, I don't know who's going to be left. Like hopefully they made it through because they're like, I can't live alone. Actually you can. 
isolation, God doesn't create us for it. He created us for community. But at the same time, it's in the lonely places that Jesus even went to, to train, to be equipped, to be taught by his father. So we can't be afraid of slowing down and being alone with Jesus. I think we're afraid because when we get into that space, have you ever been alone and you can hear your thoughts? <laughs> have you ever been by yourself and you, it's like a mirror and you're like, oh, that's what I think. But if you can busy yourself with as many things around you, you don't have to change. You don't have to grow. You don't have to listen and obey God's word. You can just keep staying busy. That is the sickness of, I think, the American church is that we've become so busy that we don't hear. We've become so busy that we don't grow. We've become so busy that we've made everything else of greater importance and priority than our relationship with Jesus. I was reading these surveys recently and it was, it was it, shocking. Maybe it, it shouldn't be shocking, but it was to hear that most people will say they're so busy, this is Americans, most people will say they're so busy that they only get about 26 minutes of free time a week. Yeah. I'm like, did you mean day? No, I read this in several different polls. It said people are so busy, they actually only really get like concentrated alone time where they can get something done outside of their work, their responsibilities of actual free leisure time. They get 26 minutes a week. And then guess what? Another poll that I read said, guess where that leisure time usually goes to? Television. <laughs> so when you do have free time, the free time you have, you're going to give to the TV. You're going to give to your phone, your smartphone. People over the age of 75, you people are the, you're the, you're the winners. You are saving this world. Guess what? <laughs> My dad. Dad, you're only 70. You're not there yet, but you're close. The people over 75, though, guess what? They spend more of their leisure time with people, reading, um, and community. It's those that are younger spend the majority of their time on, on electric devices rather than even one-on-one -on -one family members, face-to-face -face time, or reading. In fact, they say ages 15 to 44, the average time of reading per day is less than 10 minutes. And I wonder how much of that reading is actually on our phone <laughs> instead of reading the book or getting into the word or spending time in God's presence. Now, I read those things not to like discourage us and make us all feel really bad. I read it because that's the reality of the busy world we live in. Maybe you're better than these statistics. I sure hope you are. I'm sure you are. But the reality is still, we all still need to learn to rest so we can hear. We're so busy, we can't meditate. Have you ever tried to meditate while you're running? <laughs> you can't meditate rushing. That's like an oxymoron, right? You can't, you can't. I can't meditate on God's word and ponder it while I'm rushing in my car, drinking my coffee and putting my mascara on. Not that I've ever done that. I didn't today at least, because <laughs> the roads. Come on, we're rushing. We're hurrying all the time. And then yet we're so uh, shocked when God doesn't speak to us or when I can't hear him or when I feel discouraged and I feel so far from God or I feel like God's just so distant from me. He's not. God is near to the brokenhearted, Psalm says, and those who are crushed in spirit. 
So guess what? If you're in the darkest place, he's the closest to you. He's never far or distant from us. It's that we have to put, put ourselves in a position and a posture to be able to hear God. Now, as I was preparing for this, um, I utilized so many of the resources that I've read over the years from some of the best thinkers on spiritual formation, like Eugene Peterson and Richard Foster and Dallas Willard. Those are three of my favorites. So a lot of what I'm going to give you today is really from them. But as I was studying, I started reading other, um, just other texts that were sticking out in my mind. And this one shocked me because I've read this story hundreds of times, right? And you have too. It's actually the account of the feeding of the 5,000, which is in all four of the gospels. Not all stories are in all four of the gospels. Um, they're in, you know, maybe one or two or three, oftentimes the synoptic gospels, but not all four, all four, but the feeding of the, the 5,000 is in all four. But I didn't ever pay attention to the first part of the, t of the story. I always pay attention to the part where, you know, the miracle, right? There's all these people that are hungry and he takes a couple loaves and some fish and everybody's full with leftovers for days. Like that's the coolest part of the story, is it not? Well, if you read before that, Mark chapter six shows us what happens before the disciples are even able to participate in this miracle with Jesus. It says in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Remember, the, the, the disciples have been busy. They've been preaching the good news of the gospel all over the world at this time. And they're busy doing the work of God. And he said to them, Jesus says to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. I, I've never paid attention to this part of the scripture, ever. I just, I'm like, you know, how if you read the gospels too much, this is the problem with Bible reading as a Christian. You get so familiar with the text that you just blah, 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 get to the part that I like. I was reading this. I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus tells them that they need to rest. It says, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So Jesus recognizes that the disciples, although doing a good work, think about this. They're doing probably better than me and all of us right? They're like preaching the gospel. They're, just, they're, they're casting out demons. They're, they're, uh, they're healing the sick. They're pointing people to the Messiah. They're doing all these incredible things, but Jesus recognized they're so busy, they haven't even been around Jesus very much. They haven't even spent time learning at his feet or being near him and getting the source of strength that they need. So Jesus says, stop. You've been so busy, you haven't even had time to eat. So you're going to get in this boat with me and we're going to cross over. We don't have much time because the moment they cross over on the sea and they get to the shore, guess what's about to happen? A crowd is going to come rushing. They're going to find out they need food and the miracle is going to happen. But before the miracle, they had to be with Jesus. See, in Mark chapter three, when Jesus calls the disciples, he said the first prerequisite to be a disciple is to be with Jesus. If you want to follow him and you want to be a Jesus follower, guess what that means? You're going to have to be near Jesus. You're not going to be able to be distant. You don't get to have one encounter with him and you're good for life. You don't get, you, you know, you can't pick and choose and cherry pick how much time you get with him. If you want to follow him, you have to be with him. And this was the prerequisite that Jesus gave his disciples. See, the life of a disciple, a life of a Jesus follower like us is not just only to do the mission of Jesus, 
but it's also the mission with Jesus. We're called first to be with him. Have you ever tried to be a successful Christian and you haven't even like been near church or around your Bible or around community and you go out there and you're trying to like be discerning, you got nothing? Or how about you've been coming but you still feel dry because you're not receiving? You ever been a dry Christian before? Many times, and I'm a pastor. I've grown up in church, and there are seasons of life where I just found myself, I was so busy that I was giving more than I was receiving. And then you find yourself in this place like, oh, you're just exhausted. Because can I tell you something? Pastor Chris always says this. You know, the worst decisions you will make is when you're exhausted and you're stressed out. Never trust yourself in those times. If you're stressed and you're exhausted, do not trust your soul. You will make poor choices. So what do we have to do as Christians? We need to be full of the spirit of God. I loved last week Michael Borner's illustration, with the ping pong balls, remember? In that jar and the water, he starts pouring the water in there. Remember that? And the illustration, it's stuck in my mind all week. Like what happens when you're full of God's spirit all the other stuff can't get in. It's magic. No, it's not. But it's awesome. When you're full of God's spirit, you can't be full of the devil. Some of you are like, well, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, the devil still gets in you. Trust me. I've seen him. <laughs> Come on. When we're full of the spirit of God, his presence, his word, we, can't even, we don't even have room for those things that so easily ensnare us, Paul says. All of a sudden, or actually it was Hebrews, all of a sudden we find ourselves able to withstand against the enemy. We're able to hear the voice of God. We're able to get the direction we need. We're able to make the, wise, the right decisions in a critical moment when we're tired and we're worn out and we're weary. Guess what happens? The spirit of Jesus rises up on the inside of me. Why? Because I filled myself with his spirit. Jesus knew he had to call the disciples to get away because they hadn't been doing it on their own. I wonder how much Jesus has been calling you to get away. And you're like, I'm busy, I'm busy. Uh, have we done what we do to our friends? Okay, next week, God, next week. Things are gonna slow down next week. Next week, I'll start that Bible reading pack. No, next week, I'll start really giving myself to church. Next week, I'll do this. How often do we do that before we get to the end of our life and we look back and we think, I don't know what kind of regrets we're gonna have, but I know this, we'll never regret giving our all to Jesus. Money and wealth and success and power and all those things. At the end of your life, at your deathbed, you won't think about that. It won't matter. You won't care. But at the end of your life, when you can look back and you said, I followed him. I trusted him. I gave him my all. You will never regret giving your time to Jesus. So we have to be like the disciples that let Jesus take us away so we can get rest. The early church fathers called this holy leisure. I love this. They called it holy leisure. This holy leisure is not um, meaning you do whatever you want. We think of leisure as my time, to, you know, me time. Right? Is that even a thing? Do people have me time? I don't think so. But it's not me time. Holy leisure is consecrated time for you to be 
in church, quality time with friends and family. Do you know research says that families, modern families with your children in your home, meet, say that, you, that modern families have 37 to 38 minutes of quality time with their kids every day. That, that's not a lot of time. 37 to 38 minutes to shape them, <laughs> to make sure they make wise choices, to make sure the word of God is in them, to make sure when they go out into the, the places that God called them that they're, they're, they're strong, bold, courageous. 37 to 38 minutes of quality time is the average that a modern family gets with their kids. Can you imagine what makes us think that with that lack of time that we're really even able to shape our kids without the help of the Holy Spirit? What parent in here would say, I need the help of the Holy Spirit to raise my children? Because they're going to be in all these different spaces and places that are going to influence them. But the time that you have, you better make it worth it. It better matter. So we have to give ourselves to what these early church fathers, especially St. Benedict was one that really coined the phrase holy leisure or what he would call odium sanctum. This holy leisure is this thought and this idea that I, set, I take myself out of the busyness and the chaos. I have to, it's consecrated. It's, it's, it's a concerted effort. It's not just like mm, sometime today. No, it's you make the time to get away with Jesus. Richard Foster says this in his book, Celebration of Dis Discipline. He says, if we are constantly being swept off our feet with frantic activity, we will be unable to be attentive at the moment of inward silence. A mind that is harassed and fragmented by external affairs is hardly prepared for meditation. The church fathers often spoke of odium sanctum or holy leisure. It refers to a sense of balance in life, an ability to be at peace through the activities of the day. Can you, oh, just that. Can you imagine being at peace when there's chaos around you? Be at peace through the activities of the day. The ability to rest and take time to enjoy the beauty of this world. An ability to pace ourselves. With our tendency to define people in terms of what they produce, we would do well to cultivate holy leisure with a determination that is ruthless as our date books. Come on. God has not called us to be frantic. A, a holy Christian is not one who is constantly frazzled. <laughs> and we are. A holy Christian is one who can find holy leisure and rest that can do what Jesus says in Mark chapter six. And he goes, you guys, you're so busy. You haven't even had time to eat. Come on, get in the boat. And the disciples are like, God, we're doing, we're doing your work. I don't care. You're going to get in the boat. You're going to sit next to me. It's not even going to take us this long to get from one side of the sea to the other, but it's enough time that you're going to sit here. You're going to listen to me. You're going to let my presence overwhelm you. You're going to remember that what you're doing is for me and that when you became a follower of Jesus, your first and foremost priority is to be near me, to be with me, to learn from me so that I can guide you and teach you and you can get to the places that God has for you. So we need, church, some holy leisure. We need it. It's not about just getting some time where you do whatever you want to do. It's about getting concentrated time with God. Time, quality time, FaceTime with your family. Not the phone FaceTime, but actual FaceTime. Remember that? 
Remember when you used to talk to people in person? I think we got to get back to some of that. This, this odium sanctum, this holy leisure is a time meant to be spent each day. The church fathers didn't think this was a, a one day a week thing. Remember that ping pong ball full of, or that jar full of ping pong balls? Wasn't meant to just get a sprinkle of water on a Sunday and maybe two Sundays out of the month. But it's meant to fill your spirit every single day. Can you imagine what a happy, fulfilled, awesome Christian you you would be if you meditated on God every day? Man, that was a tough, uh, no no one has the vision for it, huh? It's just, the idea is just too out there and foreign. I heard Pastor Chris and Kelly, who have a million kids, they're like, yes, give us that, Lord. Come on, every single day. I'm not talking hours. For some, it's moments. Moments in his presence that sustain me, that gives me direction and vision and clarity. This is what God has called us to as a church. We have to make this holy leisure a priority. And this is not leisure like, come on, I know our leisure. Our leisure is watching TV. For me, when we did our prayer and worship conference a few weeks ago, my husband fasted food. Garrison did what, you know, real spiritual people do. But I'm pregnant, so I couldn't, unfortunately. Um, I ordered pizza while he was fasting. I did it all. I have a bagel and cream cheese every day because baby rejects anything else. So I have to. And ice cream at night, I have to. Um, it, it, he wants it, you know. Uh, but I couldn't fast food, so my husband told me to fast social media because I love, I, that's, I just check out. I love to just go and I, he, he'll be talking to me and I don't even know what's happening, you know. I just like to check out. The interns, because I made them fast food because I couldn't either, I, I made them fast, did I not? And you guys did good. And then, but they told me I had to fast Farm Heroes, which is my favorite game on my phone, and I'm awesome at it. I've never met anyone who is as far into that game as I am. I have the highest level I've ever seen. I'm really good because I spend a lot of time playing Farm Heroes because I'll just get home from a crazy day, right? And I TV, yeah, sometimes it's like whatever, but I can't even watch TV without playing Farm Heroes. Farm Heroes just gets me. It just like helps me like relax, you know? Some of you are like, wait, what is that? Don't worry, you might want to download it. But don't do it as much as me, because that's probably bad. But I had to fast farm heroes, and it was hard. I was like, is it, I mean, I was like, do I end Sunday night? Or do I get a, you know, is the fast done as soon as the service is over Sunday night? Or do I have to wait till Monday? Like, that's how controlled I was by this game. See, when we find leisure, the few moments we get in the day, what do we give our leisure time to? Do we give it to Jesus? Do we spend time on on one scripture meditating on it? You know what I've learned in this church? This is why it's the word and spirit. Is that as I've meditated on scripture over the years, guess what happens and what bubbles up in my spirit when I need something? The word. When I'm going through something, guess what bubbles up on the inside of me? Scripture that I've meditated on. You can't have something bubble up you've never read. You can't have something bubbled up that you've never meditated on. If you're in a dark season and you're in a lonely place and you're frustrated, I promise you this. If you've meditated on scripture, 
Guess what? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that lives on the inside of you will all of a sudden bring to your remembrance. He will bring to your remembrance the word that you've meditated on. He will all of a sudden start quoting scripture over you and you will start reciting it from your heart. And then guess what crazy thing happened? Your spirit gets strong. Your soul gets weak and you're able to accomplish what God has asked you to do in that moment. But you have to have meditated to remember. My dad and mom always taught, Chris, Rochelle, and I, to memorize and meditate scripture. My dad said when we first started, you know, even trying to read the Bible, he's like, well, read a proverb every day in five Psalms. So then I would find myself, I couldn't remember where in Proverbs it is. To this day, there's Proverbs. I don't know where it is in Proverbs or where it is in Psalms, but I can recite it because I learned to start reciting and meditating on just maybe one chapter a day or maybe one psalm or five psalms a day. And then when I've gone through tough seasons of my life, guess what comes up in my spirit? Ooh, I start remembering the truth of God's word and I'm able to, 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 to share it, not just with my spirit, but with someone else who's hurting. I can remind them, you are the head, not the tail. I can tell them there's no weapon formed against you that can prosper. You're more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. I can remember what Psalm says, that he is the light of my life. Oh, I don't have to give up, but Jesus is for me, not against me. Jesus on the cross meditated and remembered scripture from Psalms. So we have to get it in us so that at the moments that we need it, it will bubble out and come out of us. The most basic way for us to enter into holy leisure and to use our leisure time to get near God is to have Christian meditation. Now, meditation is not Eastern meditation. Don't start thinking, you know, some of, some of you are like, interesting church, meditation. <laughs> what are we going to do? What's the practice going to be? What is she going to do at the end of the service? No, Eastern meditation would say to empty yourself. Christian meditation says you fill yourself. We're filling ourselves with God's word and God's truth. And the quickest way to holy leisure, the quickest way to time with Jesus, the quickest way to know how to make right choices and decisions is to meditate on God's word and God's promises. Christian meditation, Richard Foster says, is simply this, the ability to hear God's voice and obey it. It's not hard. We're like, well, do I sit there and do I hold my hands like this? And is it like a, a certain amount of time? No, no, no. Just get in a place, get God's word, Read it, recite it, maybe say it a few times and get yourself in a posture where you're able to hear God's voice and obey it. Now, you know what Christian meditation isn't? This is what good old Pentecostal Christians love it. We love to call this the sword of the spirit. And it is, right? The Bible says that, Ephesians, Hebrews, this is the sword of the spirit. But I think we misquote Hebrews quite a bit or misinterpret, because we think the sword of the spirit means it's a weapon I use against other people. <laughs> you guys, either you're very convicted or you're very unimpressed. <laughs> I think it's convicted, but okay. We take this, right? It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. <laughs> and we're like, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping my husband's hearing this, you know, like the scripture that God, I'm, I'm, I'm yelling the scripture as I'm meditating, like the Lord says, so he's in the other room, like he'll catch it, you know, or, or, or we're like, we, we say the scripture to our kids over and over again, yelling at them, like, 
you know, be angry, but do not sin. <laughs> like, I was like, calm down, mom. Like, who's this scripture for? My favorite is how we use the word and we post it. We're very passive aggressive. We're a very passive aggressive culture. And it's my, it's my favorite because everyone else sees it. It's like bad breath. You're the last to know. That's what it's like with our sword of the spirit Christians. We post a scripture on Instagram or something because we're so passive aggressive. We can't actually go to the person we have a problem with. God forbid we have conflict resolution, you know, or repent or forgive. So instead I'm like, you know, and, and we, and we so super spiritualize it. Like prophetically, the Lord spoke this to me. I need to share it. Or did the Lord speak that to you? that you needed to hear. I, I mean, I'm not saying we can't post scriptures, don't get me wrong, but don't, don't post them passive aggressive and then use the prophetic unction of the Holy Spirit told me. No, that's not prophetic, that's called manipulation. And we've used the sword of the Spirit. Now here's the thing, it is the sword of the Spirit, but Hebrews says it is to go between the joint and the marrow and it is to, and it's so to discern the intentions of whose heart our hearts. It's to discern the innermost evil, bad parts of me before it goes after any of you. So if I'm going to use the sword of the spirit, I better let it pierce me first. I better, I better let it go to the darkest, deepest, the most innermost parts of me to discern what are my intentions? What are my thoughts? What are my desires? What are the things? What is the evil? Jeremiah says the heart is deceptively wicked. What are the deceptively wicked parts of me that I keep burying deep down? Let me use the sword of the spirit in my heart. And then when God is able to reveal that to me, then guess what? Then I'm in a position. I now have authority to go to someone. And then guess what? how I won't do it anymore? I won't do it passive aggressive. Now I'll come to someone as a healthy adult. And I'll say, hey, first I want to repent for maybe my attitude towards you. And maybe I've, I've treated you wrong or I've thought wrong. I just want to repent to you and tell you that God's really been working on my heart. And guess what? You can walk away and leave it like that. But Pastor Tracy, you didn't tell them what they did wrong. That's okay, God will. This is going to save some of your all marriages, I think, this morning. <laughs> You've been like flashing the sword of spirit in his face and the Lord's like, I'll do that. How about you just put it in your own face? <laughs> I say it with a smile on my face. But come on, church. God's called us to be ones that meditate. See, Christian meditation will create change. It will. It has to. Because you can't help meditating on God's word and not be transformed. You can't. I just, I, I think it's impossible mixed with the spirit of God. When you allow the spirit to come and illuminate scripture, it will tell you areas you need to grow. It will. It will tell you, Tracy, you need to be more patient with that person. But God, I'm just reading in, in Samuel. What is going on? Yeah, you need to be patient. Okay, Lord. Or maybe the Lord will remind me as I'm reading Revelation or Leviticus, you need to forgive. Well, God, that, you are not even talking about that. It's the Spirit of God that comes because you've created space for him to talk and for him to move. God speaks to us not because we're special, but because we're willing to listen. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, you know, who's a great martyr for the gospel. Great apologist, really. When asked why he meditated, this is all he said, because I'm a Christian. When asked, why do you meditate, Bonhoeffer? 
Because I'm a Christian. Why don't we meditate? See, Christian meditation creates the space for God to speak and for us to hear. Psalm 1 says this, and we know it and we love it. But he delights not, he delights, um, his, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, he meditates day and night. Now, we don't like that word law. It gets aggressive, doesn't it? We start to think legalism. And what does that mean? Law means the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. Torah means instruction, direction. I read a commentary this week that said, if, he, if the commentary could have rewritten this verse, this is how he would have written Psalm 1, verse 2. He would have said, um, I got to find it in my notes, sorry. He would say, because they obey the law of the Lord, they are happy. Because you obey the law of the Lord, you are happy. That's Psalm 1, 2. When you obey God's direction and instruction, you will walk in joy You will walk in freedom. You will find yourself not having to fix all these issues you think are just surrounding you. All of a sudden, God gives you direction and peace and joy and comfort and all the things that you need as you meditate. Psalm 63, 5 through 7 say, My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Psalm 119, verse 148 says, My eyes are awake before the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promise. God has called us to be people that meditate. Christians who spend time thinking about God's word, pondering it, letting it sit in my heart, not choosing it as a weapon against other people but letting it be the sword in my spirit. When I get, when I get time to meditate, you know what I, I realize? Is that the world isn't as bad as I think. I'm worse than I think. <laughs> I'm not saying the world is great, and I'm not saying there aren't bad things, but I spend a lot of my energy throughout the week pointing out what everything else is wrong in this world. When I get time with Jesus, you know what he does, but he does it tenderly and lovingly and graciously and kindly. The Bible says it's the goodness or the kindness of God that leads me to repentance. When I sit alone with Jesus, all of a sudden I start recognizing I'm not as good at that as I think I am. I could probably really grow in that. There's probably some room for improvement in that area of my life. Why does God do that? Because he loves us. What does Proverbs say? He disciplines those he loves. He corrects those he loves. Why are we so afraid of meditation? I think because we're afraid of change. I think we're afraid of dealing with the deepest parts of us. But here, can I say this to you? God never takes something out of you and doesn't replace it with something better. And when God corrects, have you ever been corrected and convicted by the Holy Spirit? It actually feels wonderful. I'm not saying it's easy, but it feels wonderful. Because you recognize how much he loves you and how much he wants to do in and through your life. And he knows, God knows, and I know, I can't get to those dreams in my heart or the things God has for me if I stay here. 
So I'm gonna have to let him open the door of my heart. Revelation 3.20 says this, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come, I will come to him and I will eat with him and he with me. The scripture is not for unbelievers though. This scripture was written for the believer. The scripture was written for us to recognize if we want God to come and open our hearts, we have to be willing to let him come. How do we open the door? Meditation. I think the door gets opened when we practice time with him. The spirit will lead you as you read. The spirit of God will lead you as you meditate on scripture. Dallas Willard says this, one of the greatest, probably my favorite thinker when it comes to spiritual formation. He says, God's word to us, especially his word spoken by his spirit through the Bible, is the very ingredient that feeds our faith. If we feed our souls regularly on God's word, several times a day each, or several times each day, we should become robust spiritually. Just as we feed on ordinary food several times a day, we become robust physically. Nothing is more important than hearing and obeying the word of God. Nothing, nothing, hear me. If you only hear this, because it's the end of the message, so it might be the only thing you remember. Nothing is more important than hearing and obeying God. Nothing. When you can hear God's voice and you obey, guess what happens? The windows of heaven feel like they open over you. All of a sudden that cloud of discouragement, that confusion is lifted and you see clearly and things are illuminated to you. Psalm says this, Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Let your good spirit. Can I leave you with just some really practical ways of meditating on scripture? I think I love to study. I mean, I went to seminary and I thought when I went to seminary, I was gonna like, the thing I was gonna remember most is like classes like systematic theology. And it is not the class I remember the most because it was a German professor who made us read German theology. And I don't even know to this day how I passed that class. It was probably the prayers of Pastor Connie because that class was so hard. I thought, but that's, I thought it was going to be the deep doctrine and the theology. And of course you do learn so much of that. And that's so much of what I came away with. But the thing I came away with the most in seminary was spiritual formation. You had to take your first semester spiritual formation one, and then you had to take, it was bookended and your last semester, the last class you took was spiritual formation three. You took three courses of it. And that's when I started to read all these books on spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation and, and understanding that um, these practices are gonna help me be the Christian God's called me to be. But it wasn't until I started practicing them that God started doing things in me. I remember sitting in a really weird room, just a classroom with fluorescent lights. And my professor was nothing like Michael Borner. He did not have cool illustrations. He did not have like, I don't think a picture on the screen. Uh, he sat there, he was an older gentleman, um, was not that charismatic, pretty mellow, mellow tone um, and very like kind of boring tone and voice. And I sat there and he started talking about silence and solitude. There was no music. <laughs> there was no you know, dramatic lights and there was no like charismatic preacher. It was this older gentleman who was a professor in a room full of students and, and mostly pastors from all over the country sitting in this room with fluorescent lights 
And he said, okay, we're going to practice solitude and silence. And I was like, are we going to go outside in the beautiful, you know, and look at the sky? No, we're going to sit in a weird room. And, I, and you're going to hear people walking in the halls. And you're going to have to get yourself to a place where you can hear God. And I remember the first 10 minutes, oh my gosh, my mind was like, this is so stupid. Why am I taking this class? Why am I wasting this money? This is such a waste. This is kind of weird. Do I even believe in this? Like, what is going on? By the time my mind ran out of excuses, by the time my mind had gone to a place where it had nothing else to ponder, I sat there and I heard God. I heard God clearer there than I've ever heard in church, that I've ever heard in a camp, that I've ever heard in my space, in my house. I'd never heard God so clear. In a fluorescent lit room with a boring professor, strangers all around me. And all of a sudden God's voice became so clear. Why? Because I wasn't busy. And I was just, it was me and him. And I got all my frustrations out and I told him how stupid this was. And before I knew it, I was telling him how much my heart hurt and how much I wanted to know him. And in that moment, he spoke. And what God said then is the thing that sustains me now. God reminded me of all his promises. And in that moment, I felt his love more tangible than I've ever felt it. Why? because I let God have space. We have to give him and create the space. If you're not, it won't create itself. You have to find time every single day. In my life, and Richard Foster will say this, find one spot, the same spot every day. Just find one spot in your house. Pastor Chris and Kelly probably have to get in their car and leave their four crying babies, but find a place that's quiet and remove from distractions the same place every day. My husband knows it's this one place on our couch that looks outside. He can sit there at nighttime. He can sit there at noon, but not in the morning. That's my spot. I come out there. I have my bagel and cream cheese because it's the only thing the baby will eat in the morning. And I have my coffee and my Bible. And yesterday I sat there for hours and I looked out at the snow. And you know what I was reminded of? Isaiah. This says, though your, your sin were like crimson red, I make you white as snow. And I was reminded of the goodness of God. And as I just read Psalms and I just pondered and meditated one Psalm, all of a sudden I was listening to God in a clear way. I was removed from all the distractions, the things that so easily ensnare me and distract me. And in that moment, I could hear. You have to have a place. And just from a natural, practical standpoint, it should be the same place every day. Someplace that's comfortable. You know, even Richard Foster says, find one that has beautiful landscape if you can. But find a place in your house, in your home, might be in your car, wherever it is, find a place that you can get away with God and you can listen. And then do this, and this is what I'm gonna encourage you to do this week, and this is the only thing. Take one text this week and read it all week. Some of you are like, but what about my Bible reading plan? Give it, you know, give it up for a week. Or you don't have to, but take at least one text and meditate on it all week. Could be one scripture, one parable, one psalm, whatever. But just take some, try meditating. Get in a place alone, removed from distractions. That might have to be your phone taken away. You're like, put the Bible apps on there. Buy a real Bible. 
Put music on, don't put music on. But get in a place and create the space through Christian meditation to hear God and obey Him. And I promise you this, you will hear Him. Some of you are desperate need this morning to hear God. Some of you are broken. Some of you are desperate to hear direction and future and clarity. And I promise you this, when you create the space, He will speak. And when He speaks, we'll obey. Amen, church. Would you stand with me today? I think this is the greatest hour for the church. I really do. I think that if we as the church could really grasp really the course of what we've been preaching for the last several months, but really grabbing a hold of the spiritual disciplines and letting God form us. And that could be if you're 15 or if you're 55 or if you're 100, like my grandma Doris. No matter what age you are, God wants to form us. He wants to transform us from the inside out. My greatest fear, my greatest fear is that I'll stop growing spiritually. It's my greatest fear is that I'll get to a point in my life and I, I think I'm good. I'll stop learning, I'll stop meditating, I'll stop growing. Because it's easy to do, I think, as a Christian. I mean, I, I, you guys, I went to seminary. I did two years of interns. I'm a pastor's kid. I'm surrounded by pastors. I can't get away from it, right? But I still have to find myself in a space where it's just me and him so that I can keep learning and growing and God can keep shedding some of that nasty stuff I keep picking up as I walk through this world. I don't wanna be the same I am now that I am in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. I wanna grow, I wanna be more mature, I wanna love people more, I wanna love Jesus more, I wanna reach more people for Jesus. How, how do I do that? By meditating on his word, by letting his spirit revive me, by letting his spirit come on the inside of me and give me fresh wind and fresh energy and fresh fresh strength. Amen. Come on, church. Come on. We're not a dead church. We're charismatics. You can praise. You can clap. You can say amen. Come on. If this is you and it doesn't have to be, but if it's you and you want a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to come and revitalize your time with Jesus, give you a fresh wind for meditation, to give you a fresh fresh energy for his word. Pastor Chris would always say this, an insatiable desire for God's word. If you want that, just lift your hands to heaven today. Just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you. We sang about it earlier that he wants to fill us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that your spirit would breathe upon your word. God, I thank you that you didn't leave us empty handed, but you left us your spirit and you left us your word. Lord, and we take a hold of your promises and your word and your insight. Lord, I thank you. You have every answer that we have a question about. You have every need already met. Everything our heart longs for, you are the answer. Lord, I thank you that as we get in your word and we meditate this week, I pray for a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit to wash over us, to encourage us, to give us direction and vision and insight. 
Lord, I thank you confusion will be dispelled. Depression and anxiety would have to leave. Discouragement would have no place as we fill ourselves with your word, as we allow your spirit to refresh and wash over us. I thank you for the washing of the water of the word to come this week in a fresh and vibrant and robust way. We thank you, Holy Spirit, when we create the space, you will speak and we will obey. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you would like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.